0: Welcome to the Make It Count podcast with Phil Degree and Jennifer Maray, where we'll share stories of how people triumph through the hard seasons in life and make it count.
1: All right, so we're back for another episode of Make It Count.
0: Yep, here Um, we are, Phil.
1: Phil and Jennifer, and our first guest. Ever. 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 Our first guest ever.
0: I mean, don't put no pressure on you, Brent, okay? Like...
1: Right. There is going to be a prize at the end. All right. I don't know what that is, but I mean, that I think there always should be a parting gift for the first.
0: I don't think that's in the budget, but okay.
1: We'll give you something.
0: Maybe when we make it big, we'll circle back. We'll give you something. Phil will send you to Tahiti, you know, yeah, holidays. Yeah, IOU. We'll exactly. Put, we'll
1: put your link in the bio. <laughs> yeah, there you go not even know what that is. I don't even know what that is. <laughs>
0: All right, let's so, move on. So,
1: our guest today mm-hmm. is our guest today on Make It Count is Brent Kluchin. And Brent is uh, going to talk to us about his um, sobriety journey and his addiction past. So, um, yeah, tell us how you make it count. Start it off. Yeah, um, give us a little background.
2: So I think it's, um, I never really looked at it as important in the beginning of the journey as the beginning of life, um, but there's a lot of things that start um, with, you know, my understanding of my condition is that there's a physical side, there's a mental side, and there's a spiritual side, um, and I suffer from all three, it's trifecta of, you know, somebody that ended up being what you would label an alcoholic. Um, <clears throat> when I was born... Uh, I was born with a congenital heart disease, which, you know, the first couple of years of my life had nothing to do with any of this because I didn't know. Um, but later on in life, when I started realizing that um, there was something wrong with me, you know, so now um, I'm a child being looked at by my peers, you know, I have certain uh, certain things I have to wear to make sure that to monitor my heart. And, uh, I have to explain this to kids that don't understand what I don't understand, you know, so the very beginning of my life was a very confusing time, I guess, but that's not what made me what I was. Um, that was something that I ended up using as a crutch later on. So you, uh, flash forward, you I know, mean, I didn't have a, uh, and my, my life was normal as far as I had great parents. I had a great upbringing. Um, I didn't come from a broken home. I didn't come from a family with a lot of addiction issues. I did have an uncle that had, you know, some some past with that too, but that's not what I contribute to it either. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of my life that I felt not worth. You know, I didn't feel worth um, as much as a lot of my friends, you know, like there was always a part of me that felt like I didn't fit into anything. Like I was friends with people, um I did well in sports, team sports and stuff like that, but I never felt like I fit in. Um and uh flash forward I guess into like my teenage years. That's kind of when you start getting introduced to stuff and I started working really early on. I was 15 working in a restaurant, so Hanging out with older people, wanted to be like them, you know, experimented with stuff that I probably wouldn't have experimented with with some of my normal friends. Um,
1: the restaurant industry.
2: Yeah. yeah. Sex,
1: drugs, and rock and roll. I
0: was going to say, was it your restaurant? Not at 15, but, <laughs> okay.
1: but Brent did work for me at the restaurants, and then okay. now we work together now at the Fish House.
0: Oh, okay, great.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm sorry for you.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> no, that was good.
2: Oddly enough, I claim most of my successes to him. So.
0: Oh wow!
2: And now I host a podcast. Yep.
0: You're claimed to fame.
2: He told me in the beginning, "I'm gonna raise you up with me," and here we are.
0: Oh, that felt my first guest. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So once I got to, uh, you know, now I'm like 17, 18. Oddly enough, up until that point, I had never consumed alcohol. Um, I think part of it was because of my uncle, and that's kind of the uh, the odd part of being somebody like me is we don't see certain things as clear as you would see it. You know, to me, being seventeen or eighteen years old, justifying doing other drugs because they're better or worse than alcohol—it's like that doesn't make any sense. does make sense now, but back that makes then, no sense. You know, mm-hmm. that's uh, that's kind of how we think. Yeah. So. I guess the turning point of, of that era was at 19, I had to have another heart surgery. I'd had to have valve replaced. So at that point, I'm like, I'm done. I'm never going to touch this stuff again. You know, obviously I have to look out for my health and, you know, stop doing stuff. Surgery goes fine. And, uh, from then on, you know, that side of me was, was done or so I thought, um, you know, when you, when you go back to, why i identify to being who i am you know i say it's a three-part thing so i know that when i when i consume alcohol my body doesn't react the same as you whether emotionally or physically so my body doesn't break it down to where i crave it more the more i drink the more i crave it um i have a mental obsession that you know people whether they Admit it or not, you drink or you use certain substances because you don't like the way you feel. I want to feel different than how I feel now. I can't cope with whatever I'm, going, I'm, I'm dealing with at the time, so I'm going to use whatever. Um, and then there's a the spiritual, they, you know, we, we kind of call it a malady. Um, I had a, a God complex. You know? As a child, I'm being brought up to look at, so I was, you know, I'm supposed to believe these, uh, these I- ideas of God being great and powerful and all that. Well, what about me? You know why am I different? So, those three things combined kind of sent you on a warpath, I guess. But uh, directly after the surgery, you know, I didn't, I didn't really notice it because I wasn't really uh, consuming it. But that's when I started drinking. You know, I was like, all right, well, I can do this because I still want to change the way I feel, but I'm not going to do the other stuff, justifying it all all day long. You know. Um and then it was kind of just like a slow progression, I guess, still back in the bar scene and working downtown now and managing a bar and a restaurant in his early twenties. I mean, what else would you do? You know, that's yep. the late sex nights rock, rock and roll. That. Yep. Yeah. Um, and uh you know, I t- I don't like going into like war stories, I guess you could say, but I got to where uh my identity was lost, you know. Um drained everything i had financially drained everything i had emotionally i knew this was gonna happen too mm-hmm. it's like i was prepared it's happened so. every
1: episode to yeah.
0: date <laughs> it's a, I, I i'm i'm getting emotional because i i understand like i had a part of my life where i went through this it wasn't like probably nearly again all relative i guess but i i understand what you're saying exactly and i never could put it into words so like you talking about it is like Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense on why I did this or that. Wow, well, crazy.
2: Yeah. And you don't even realize it's going on. And and the, the scariest part is when you're in it, you, you're good at it, you know, because there were years that I was working for you. Yeah. You know? I'm not saying there wasn't ever an indication that you weren't like, oh, you know, maybe you had a rough night. but You definitely <laughs> didn't know what I was doing right. to the extent, you know. Yeah. But well, you all kind of fall.
0: lie to yourself about it? Like, oh, you're good at it because you're telling yourself a lie.
2: Yeah, it's justification all day. Yeah. I had it to where I knew, you know, so for years I didn't even go to sleep. I couldn't sleep without a certain, you know, X amount of whatever it is. Um, and you have it to the T. Like, I knew if I got off at 9 o'clock. I could have an hour and a half to do what I had to do to put myself in the mood and God help you if you got in the way of that, you know, and that's where the relationship issues come in and, uh, you know, you lose friendships and lose lose uh, touch with family and stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, it was like a machine. But then eventually the machine got to where I couldn't handle it anymore um, and you start making decisions, bad decisions with it. When did you realize there was a problem?
0: I was going to ask that too.
2: Um. So, my sobriety date is November 14th of 17. So, this year will be five years, um, which is a miracle. You know, it's just crazy to even think it's been that long. But I knew for years, you know. I mean, I was still at my parents' house hiding, you know, having to throw bottles away outside of the house, you know, five years, six years, something like that. But you keep thinking, well, I'll get a hold of it. Like, I'm going to do this tonight, but I'll get a hold of it.
0: And then... But was there, like, a specific moment? That, um, like... Or instance, or, like, somebody said something, or... I mean, maybe not.
2: I don't remember a moment, uh, you know, the direct moment of being like, okay, I know I have a problem. I remember it was spring break, I think... 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. I went and visited my buddy at... Uh, we lived in Alabama for a couple of years when I was younger. We, my dad got transferred. So I go out there to skate. We're going to film. And he surprises me. He's like, oh, my parents, my mom got us a orange beach. got us a hotel room. We're going to stay this weekend. And then the rest of the week, we'll skate. So that was like one of the first times I went out. We we're on the beach all night and was uh, something that, I guess being in New Orleans was so different out there. You know, you kind of felt edgy because you were doing stuff where you're not supposed to be doing it. And here, it's just so mainstream, I guess. But uh, the next morning, we all woke up like, you know, throwing up and all that. And I had a light bulb moment. I'm like, well, everybody tells me if I just keep going, it, you know, it, it's not as bad. We went to the store. I can buy it now myself. I don't have to coax anybody. And I remember being on the balcony, and you know, we take one big swig to get it over with. And I remember thinking. I need this, like, not today. I need this for me, for for my, to make me feel better, you know. And that was always, uh you know, when I begin to, it's the first time I'm meeting somebody that I'm helping nowadays, that's one of the things I say, to try to not tell them this is a problem you have, but to make them understand, like, if you've had a moment like that, you really need to try to dig deep and and figure out if, you know, you feel that way too. Cause if you do, you, you're in the right place at least. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so what did you dig deep for yourself and how did you, what, if somebody out there is listening, what are the steps to take?
2: Um, you know, so I, I got sober through, I went to a rehab rehabilitation center.
0: Did you go willingly or did somebody bring
2: you? Well, there was a, uh, there was definitely a conversation of if you don't, you know, um, that I needed, you know, it's, it's got to be you know you talk a lot about how cancer is so much harder on the on the family, I feel the same about addiction, you know oh, yeah. because
1: I think the support system is so undervalued Amen. And it yeah. really yeah. is and no matter what the no matter what the challenge is
2: and even if you know if there's one thing you know I did a lot of things that um I'll come back to the read yeah. I just don't want to forget this part okay. there's a lot of things that I did that I'm not proud of or did and wish I didn't do relationships that I torn up or or whatever but if there's any I can deal with that because I did it I have to own it and me part of me moving forward is accepting those relationships being the person God wants me to be and if they come back they come back and if they don't then they're better off without me you know if I'm going to do something like that but if there's one thing I could take back is you know like you have so many people that are like Man, you're doing so good and all that. But in the back of their head they're scared shitless that you're gonna relapse.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah every time something comes up they're like or at least you're thinking that yeah. they're thinking, Uh oh, is this you know?
0: And do you feel judged in that moment a little bit? Not at all. No, okay. because
1: that's who I am.
2: You know, my identity is I'm an alcoholic. I'm always excuse me, gonna be an alcoholic. That's that's the the card that I'm dealt. And I think the the turning point for people that get better, um, it's a lot of maintenance. You know, if I don't maintain, I'm going to end up going, if I leave today and I go drink, I will be worse off in a day or two than I was before because it doesn't, you don't get to take it back. You don't get to go enjoy it another couple of years until it gets to that point mm-hmm. because now it's, oh my God, I've ruined this. And I go straight back into that survival mode. Well now I can't go back to them. They'll never forgive me twice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um but I don't want that. You know, I've gotten to where I've found and I get the things out of life that I want without that. You know, it's 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 a complete um identity change. I don't know how else to say it. But uh but to get that identity change, I went to a rehabilitation center, was kinda of forced, but at the end of the day, if I want to get out the car, I get out the car. You know, um, I went in the middle of nowhere because I needed to. And um, when I came back, I went, entered a twelve-step program, tried it a couple times, and it didn't. You know, I didn't work it the first couple times, and then finally, um, everybody bottoms different. But I got to where, you know, it's it's you want to live or you want to die. And for a while, I wasn't scared of dying anymore. I'm he used scared. to
1: say that. You used to say, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to die before I'm 40 anyway. I'm like, man. And, but he would say it. like I would think it was because of his heart condition. Oh, yeah. But probably wasn't. There's always
2: motives. But at one point, I wasn't scared of dying anymore because you're so miserable and you're so caught up in, you know, like everybody has these voices in the conversations you have in your head. Amen. But when you get to where it's it's dark and you can't, Uh, control the conversation anymore you know scary i'm done you know um but i'm not there anymore you know that's the most
1: important part but uh so you said it's a lot of maintenance like what are what are things that you do um so the
2: number one thing that you can do from my experience is you help other people in the beginning once you are. You know, I say spiritually sound. Once you are very comfortable in your sobriety, um, you're comfortable with who you are, which is a huge thing too. You know, anybody that goes through, we all have to hate things that we hate about ourselves. You know, at that point, I hated everything. You know, it, if you get to where I'm going in the morning and taking a shower, you know, people say, well, I, I I can't stand to look myself in the mirror. I wouldn't look myself in the mirror. Um, you have to be good enough to yourself to be able to be good enough for somebody else um but when i started sponsoring people it was close it was over a year you know uh before of sobriety before i did it but you know going back to the the heart problem as a kid and all that when you can look at all the experiences accept them for what they are and know that you can utilize them to help people, you know, that it's a hard thing to, to get over. But once you get there, I mean, there's nothing else like that, you know.
0: That sounds like you found a place to make it count.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I like that plug. That
0: is awesome. Your story, I think, resonates with a lot of people because it, I think we all go through a point where we can't look at ourselves in the middle. In the mirror, excuse me, like we don't like what we see, I think we all have felt that that's a human emotion that I feel like everybody's felt before um and but if you have that addiction on top of it, it's even harder. It sounds like it's even harder. I guess I'm just talking this through because like i we understand those points, huh? um you keep identifying yourself, is that something that, as an alcoholic y'all, y'all do for like that's who you are
2: uh yeah, yeah, because. If I don't, if I don't own it, and I don't come out like I don't have an issue, I, I understand that people that do have uh, issues with kind of telling the world their story, right. because that goes back to the same thing. I have a problem with myself. I definitely don't want you to know it. And I definitely don't want the world to know it. Mm-hmm. But I know that I'm not going to get better unless I help other people. In order for me to help other people, I have to identify as you know. If you want to be a singer, you got to identify as yeah. As this is what I do, you know. Um, and everything that I've done with people to help them is kind of day one stuff you should do in society anyway, you know? I mean, it's not, mm-hmm. none of it is uh, is easy, but it's not.
0: Rocket science.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just.
0: But it's the basics that I think people are losing. Yeah. Like, they're not doing, we're not self-care, we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not exercising, we're not living, you know, every day to make it count. There it yeah. is again. But like, but you found a way to take your story and now help other people. And and by doing that, it helps you. And I think that's where a lot of people forget that if we just reach out and help people,
1: oh, yeah.
0: this world would be such a better place.
1: A lot of people don't want to, you know, like you said, they, they don't want to share their story with addiction, it's different because there's a stigma, yeah, right? but but even with cancer, like I've got so i I, I posted my hey, this is seven years ago today, I was diagnosed with cancer, posted my story on LinkedIn, and it is like blowing up, and I'm getting like so much attention from it. Well, this lady contacts me last night and says, my husband has cancer. He doesn't want anyone to know, but will you talk to him? Like even with something like cancer mm-hmm. or infertility, you know, yeah. you you kind of feel like I'm, I'm inadequate. I don't want people to know. Yeah. I guess with cancer, people are like, well, I, have, I don't want people to, for whatever reason.
0: I think you start feeling like you're a burden.
1: Yeah, maybe that. Maybe that's I it. I think that, I like, know. you
0: start, or you don't want to get labeled. You don't want to be the different person. Like right. you became the different person the right. moment. This is going to sound you terrible. Were born. Okay. I play that
1: cancer car. Oh
0: my god! <laughs> I need to get out of something,
1: <laughs> You know, I've had cancer twice. <laughs> yeah. You know,
0: everybody knows. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, well, I know. Well, because I play the car. Like Christina's, like you know what? I I'm, I haven't cut the grass since I oh my since god. I since you I use I, it on
0: Christina since
1: still <laughs> since I opened the restaurant. I like. Stopped cutting the grass. Uh-huh. I haven't owned the restaurant in five years, <laughs> so it's fifteen years, right? And she's like, "You know what? I think you should start cutting the grass, and you save, you know, whatever."
0: And, you and I'm it. like,
1: "Well, you know, I've had cancer twice." Oh my god, you're the worst. <laughs> I'm still not cutting the grass. I see that. But but yeah, like like I think that is what it is. I think people don't want to be a burden.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I understand it, and, and I'm not judging you, but but there is a stigma with. addiction so with people saying oh you know kind of in the closet
0: i think addiction and and like as we're talking i'm thinking of like so many people that i've walked through this that i've talked to about and and it's kind of the same um not story but like the same emotions and the same feelings tied towards it so if somebody right now listening is in it like they are in it what what would you tell them
2: um well you're never going to get out of it if you don't reach out you know it's It's a delicate line of, you got to want it, you know, if you really want to get it, especially now, you know, the majority of my interaction on social media is that, you know, or I try, I try to be, I'm not saying it's what I post about, but a lot of the conversations are because you have the opportunity to talk to whoever you want. You don't even need to know the person, you know, um, I've always been, you know, a lot of the people I have in my phone are from sobriety and I give my number out to, I mean, the 504-920-7282 because, you know, just because you're going through it doesn't mean that you're going to relate to my story, but I know plenty of people that you would relate to. Exactly. And once you get into that uh, community of people, there's so many people that you have to reach out to that are willing to go and stay up with you for three or four hours because you can't sleep because you don't know if you're going to be able to make it through the night. You know, I mean, it's uh, there's plenty of programs out there that you can walk into um, for free. You know, that's what the biggest thing is me. You don't have to go to California and spend yeah. $20,000 a month on, on a rehab.
0: Talk to me real quick about because I just had this pop in my head because you talked about how you didn't feel like you belonged anywhere. Talk to me about that moment. When you and I'm I'm assuming this, so it might not have even happened. And I'm a woman, so I'm excited about that. But like, talk to me about that moment when you walked in to um, a program and you finally felt like you were surrounded by people like you.
2: So I crawled in. I didn't walk in. Mm -hmm. Um, Literally, literally crawled into you know the last house on the block. It's my last choice. You know, if this didn't work, I didn't know what else to do. Um, And that will give you, when you get to this certain point, you are forced to have enough humility to say, I, My arms are up, you know. And I had been to a couple before, um, even Lindy went a couple times just to listen, but I, I, you know, I didn't hear anything, I guess, that I wanted to. That particular meeting or, or that particular uh, place, I finally opened up, talked a little about, you know, said a bunch of random stuff that, Probably didn't make sense, but uh, guy came up to me after and said, "Hey, you know, my name's so and so. I want to help you." And he said, "I need to see that you're you're serious, though." So he said, "I want you. I'm not going to do anything with you for a week. I want you to call me for a week, every day. Tell me how you're doing. If you're doing bad or you're doing good or whatever." Um, and I did that, and I got more comfortable going into it. But I guess to answer your question, I felt like I belonged. When my identity changed, when I got to, I was here, I was with me, you know.
1: Yeah. And you took ownership
2: of.
0: Oh, that's even bigger than yeah. feeling belonging in a group.
2: Which I, I don't want to say that I did. No, yeah. But you can't belong to anything if you don't belong to yourself. And wow. it was a rough road to get to that point. But once you start digging it, look, I screwed up a couple times, you know. Had a couple months, you know, whatever you want to call it. I don't call it a relapse. I call it, I just chose to continue continue the choice yeah um because at the end of the day for me in my story it is a choice um but now i have the uh the tools and the knowledge to know that it's not a good choice
0: Man, that i think we wrap it up there because you said if you can't be with yourself how can you identify with anybody else and i think that's super powerful so i know you gave out your number so if you want to give that a little bit slower, just in case somebody's listening and they, they think you are they connected or resonated with you, do you mind sharing it one more time?
2: Absolutely. It's 504-920-7282. Awesome.
0: And anything else you got with him?
1: Yeah, you know, what I talked about it in my story. You talked about it in your story. Brent talks about it. It's humility. Like when you hit whatever that challenge is, mm-hmm. if you embrace that, that challenge and that humility—that's how you make it count. That that, is. That literally. And I think, I, I mean, I just.
0: You got to be open to it, like Brent said, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to embrace it.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's my word this year.
1: Oh, look at that.
0: All right, Brent. Well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being here and just. I know there's a lot of people out there that's going to resonate with the story. So I'm really excited.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Excited about it. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me. For being our first guest. Just crushed it.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope you found something that inspires you to make it count
2: every day. You can follow us on social media at Make It Count.